It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. Welcome back to the Kriya Yoga Podcast. We're continuing with our three-part series on how to harmonize and empower your spiritual and worldly intentions for the new year. Again, in this podcast, we'll be reviewing the spiritual process of intention setting, ways to recognize a worldly life in harmony with spiritual ideals, how to successfully realize your intentions in a step-by-step fashion, the power of faith and surrender when cooperating with divine will. And now we've got section two. Watch for section three in the next two weeks. Okay, so welcome back. So hopefully you now have um, your three intentions set. Maybe you're going to have more, who knows, but we're just going to work with three during this particular workshop. Um, And in this next section, we want to talk about ways to recognize a worldly life in harmony with spiritual ideals, ways to recognize a worldly life in harmony with spiritual ideals. But before I do that, I just want to make a statement um, that came to mind as I was making my own tea before I forget. Uh, As you go through this process, you want to recognize that it may be challenging. It may be challenging. Uh, in many ways. It may be challenging mentally, emotionally, psychologically, because maybe you have some psychological complexes that prevent you from um, being okay, being successful or or feeling good. Again, that's something for you to take up with your uh, counselor or therapist. And that's that's a good thing to do. Uh, It may be challenging because you you have to challenge yourself, much like in the Bhagavad Gita, when Arjuna uh, and the despondency of Arjuna, uh, he he is introduced by Krishna to the matter at hand, what he has to do, spiritually speaking. He has to rise above all these attachments, all these aversions, all these things that he thought were important, these, these family members, uh, and so on. What's he do? He's like, well, I'm not doing that. That's too much work. He drops his bow. He says, I can't do it. Uh, so you might come up against things like that, which we have to rise above. We have to overcome. And again, that's the work of yoga to help us understand how to do that. If it's not a psychological issue, which should be taken up with a professional because they'll, they'll help you see through your own BS, which you can get caught up in if you're just trying to do yoga all by yourself all the time. Um, it may be challenging in that what you want to do is actually just challenging, or what you are called to do is challenging. And one example that came to mind um, as I was making tea uh, was when I became a successful astrologer. I had been studying astrology for probably about 10 years or 11 years or more. Um, And I was an astrologer. That's what I was doing for my work. But what I've considered myself a, a super successful astrologer. And my judgment at that time was, can I pay my mortgage? <laughs> that's, that's how I judged my a successful astrologer. And I wasn't. And so I went through this process and I just contemplated, well, what can I do to, to be more effective, to, to be a better astrologer, to be a more successful astrologer? And I had no idea where I was going to be led with that. I could feel it. I could see it. And I ended up having to do things, which as I was making the changes, people were saying, you are going to commit career suicide. No one's going to want to work with you. I had, I had to force myself to go through that challenge and say, well, this is what I'm being led to do. So I guess I might be committing career suicide, but I've got to follow this. I got to at least try and see. And I did it. And it was still not popular with a large part of the astrological community, but because of what I discovered, it allowed me to actually be a better astrologer. I, the work I was able to do with my clients was ridiculous ridiculously improved. And so I went from uh, having clients maybe two weeks out, if that, to being booked out six months in advance. Even at one point in time, I was booked out a year or more in advance. And I just had, I had a waiting list that was even longer than that. So in order for me to, to actually have, to have become that successful astrologer, 
I had to kind of take a leap of faith and do something that was heresy (laughs) compared to the rest of the astrological community, or even becoming uh, a better teacher. Well, sometimes becoming a better teacher requires that you uh, have to set certain boundaries or guidelines or do things differently. And that can be challenging to your students and so on, or for your own work, whatever you want to do, there can be certain things which the guidance comes to you. And either you're like, well, I don't know about that. Um, or, you know, it's going to be difficult. And, and if you're going to follow through with the process, you have to try. You have to try. No, there are no guarantees of success with any of this stuff I'm telling you. So don't think I'm, I'm promising 100% success rate. But as I will always say, you will get closer to the mark if you try. And if you try and fail, maybe you'll be led to a mark that is closer to what you need to be shooting at anyway. <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to, to clarify that as a possibility. And, and part of being a yogi, part of being in this world is being an adventurer, taking the adventure. There's no guarantees of success. All the great adventurers, they might die halfway through it, but they have to try. Um, so we have to do this with our own, our, our own life circumstances as well. Okay, so let's take a moment for some of these questions. Um, and we'll answer the questions that are here, and then I'll move into the next section's material. So do you find it important to make specific measurable goals or are generic ones okay? Uh, Lose so many pounds in so many months or lose weight? Uh, Well, when it comes to things like losing weight or losing pounds, I don't like to focus on that in any way. I like to focus on, am I healthier? So um, when I think of health goals, Yes, I might pick something like with with my injury, um, I want to be able to walk five miles pain-free. Why? Because I knew I could walk 10 miles uh, before the injury. And so that's an easy uh, milestone marker to, to have in that situation. When it comes to things like losing weight, because we have such a, an issue with um, body image and so on, I don't care whether you're skinny, fat, underweight, overweight compared to everyone else. I care, are you healthy? Do you have energy? Um, are you strong? Um, do you not get out of breath when you get out of your chair? So when it comes to health-related things, I try to make it probably a little more general than just lose so many pounds. Um, but there are certain things like writing a book, have chapters one through three done by April, have the full book done by August. Um, so I do set specific goals in, in that situation. It, it depends on what the goal is, really. You know, you can't really set goals on your emotional and mental well-being. You know, be 90% less anxious. Well, how do you really measure that? Um, so the goals have to kind of fit the situation. Um, in the brainstorming section, we're no longer in a meditative state because our eyes are open and we're engaging our mind. Well, I want to encourage you to try to maintain a meditative state because that's an important point to remember is your mind can be active and you can be in a meditative state because the mind is a tool. Just like you can be hammering a board in and in a meditative state, even though the body is active and the, the, the hammer is moving. So try to maintain that state of clarity, poise as you brainstorm. And if you start to get anxious or distracted or off track as you're going through the brainstorming, you're, you're being pulled more into um, the reptilian brain, or you're being pulled more into your subconscious fears of failure, well, stop. And then take a moment and go meditate again and get calm again to the best of your ability and go through the process again. So yeah, I want to encourage that you stay in a meditative state, even though your eyes are open and you're engaging your mind and do your best with it. So um, that'll be different for everybody. One more question. Okay, so this question is um, when I do step three, step three, which is be curious about the intention. If I notice the how-to is going to be too big for me to manage that year, is that a time to say that it's not okay to do that intention as it would overwhelm my nervous system and cause stress? Um, What I would say is that's a hard one to answer because some people, that overwhelmed feeling is a sabotage 
it's self-sabotage. We can accomplish a heck of a lot more than we think we can. So what I would say is if you can just say, well, all right, what would it be like if it just actually could happen? Like it's not overwhelming. So you might have to imagine that it's not overwhelming. That's a step that could be a step in your process that this isn't overwhelming, that I can actually do this, that, that it, this is what it would feel like if somehow it just worked out. Um, so you can set the intention or what you can do is say, well, what would be a smaller, uh, what would be a smaller thing that would, that would get me closer to it? So if you have a bigger intention that actually is just too big for you this year, well, you could say, well, what would be, what would be something smaller that would at least get me halfway there? So next year, I'm halfway there. All of this process is very specific to you. And our, our minds are very tricky little beasts. So do your best to try to understand what I'm saying. And if you need to break it down into stages, break it down into stages. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I might say to myself, I want to be a, uh, a virtuoso violinist. Uh, okay, I want to be a virtuoso violinist. Well, what, what might my first step be? Well, I don't have a violin. <laughs> so the first step might be try to do something to save up money to get a violin this year. And then once you've got it, well, you're one step closer and you keep going. You keep going. Look, look long-term. Imagine that you've got a long life. So you don't want to imagine you've got a long life. So you just put things off forever, but you imagine I can't accomplish this thing. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 60 years old, you might have another 40 years, possibly who knows, maybe another one year. I don't know, but you don't know that. But if you think that you've got 40 more years to go, well, then you've got time. You can do these things and it'll keep you younger longer. Um, again, in my own life, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a better guitar player than I am anything else. But I decided when I was 40 that I was going to pick up a new instrument that I've never played before, use a skill set I've never used before. And I decided that by the time I'm 20, I'm going to be a virtuoso on that instrument. Or not 20. By the time I'm 20 years from now, by the time I'm 60, I'm going to be a virtuoso on that instrument. So here I am, a 40-year-old deciding that I have 20 years until I'm 60 to pull that off. I know it's possible. I feel it. So you, you need to get into that kind of experience too. And that's, that's part of the tricky part is your own, how you talk yourself out of things, how you make yourself think, well, it's not possible. Believe, feel, see it, experience it. And you're right. It may absolutely not be possible, but just imagine how much clear and how much in tune with the infinite you're going to feel while you're at least trying, what else are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, really think about it, sit around and wonder. Um, so become active. And if you don't get it, well, let's say, uh, let's say I die at 57 and I wanted to be this virtuoso uh, player on this musical instrument. Well, that means if I decide to reincarnate again, I have 17 years of experience under my belt. So when I come back around, uh, I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll have the, uh, the, the previous potential to start up and really get it, you know, really start off and, and, and hit it sooner. So you can even think of it if you want to use a theory of past lives or that model of past lives, you can think of it like that too. And that's a beautiful way to think of it. And um, Yogananda would often talk about this when it came to healing. He would say, you need to get into a place where you absolutely feel that you are perfectly healthy, that you absolutely believe that it's possible. And he would kind of indicate that, and you might die in this lifetime sick, but because, you're, because you, 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 you burnt up that karma of being unwell in this lifetime, but inside you felt well and you felt clear and you felt energized. Well, then using the theory of reincarnation, when you come back around, you're more likely to start out feeling better to feeling healthier. So we also need to recognize that there might be a larger timeline um, beyond our little, our little personality. Okay. So section two, ways to recognize a worldly life in harmony with spiritual ideals. So we're going to talk a little bit about this, then we're going to begin in uh, with some meditation. All right. <clears throat> First thing to note is there is nothing in this world which does not require sacrifice. If you believe you can have everything you want all the time, 
Well, you probably don't because you've heard, you've, you've attended enough of my talks to recognize that I think that's silly. Um, we're, we're not children anymore. We're not in kindergarten anymore. Um, we are adults and we're aiming to be spiritual adults, which means that um, if you read the Bhagavad Gita, it tells you essentially everything requires sacrifice. Everything requires sacrifice. Everything is food for the gods. And you have to decide what are you, sacrifice means to make sacred, right? So if you sacrifice something, to experience something, you're making that sacred. So how do you, you have to choose, uh, what are you gonna sacrifice? Individuals who have achieved great things, they sacrificed a lot. Whether they sacrificed um, family and personal life for their country, or whether they sacrificed uh, children, uh, not sacrificed their children, but cho chose not to have children so they could put their energy elsewhere. Um, if they've sacrificed uh, going out every night and getting drunk with their friends, well, that's a sacrifice. If they've sacrificed, the thing, it goes on and on. And you can sacrifice whatever you want, but you have to decide what is it that you want your spiritual life to be like? And um, Mr. Davis would always say, how do you want to be living your immortal life? You ask yourself that question. How do I want to be living my immortal life? Do you want to be living your immortal life, sleeping in every day, um, barely having any energy to meditate, to watch TV all night long? Um, or do you want to live your immortal life to where you're doing something difficult? Something that when you finally achieve it, you're going to think, man, I'm glad I tried at least. Um, with your spiritual life, you may not realize that you're enlightened in this lifetime. You're never going to gain more spiritual than you are, but you might be so committed to it that at the end, you just kind of think, well, maybe I didn't pull it off, but you will have done such work that when you actually die, you're going to be like, oh, wow, that was great. I guess, I guess it did work. Um, and, and that brings, that reminds me of a story of uh, a student of Paramahansa Yogananda's. There was a woman who was a, uh, really sincere devotee of Yogananda's and she was passing, she was older and she was upset because she thought maybe she didn't, she didn't do it right. Cause she didn't have these amazing cosmic consciousness experiences that others described, or she didn't have this, or she didn't have that, but she was so sincere and Yogananda went and stayed with her. And uh, he, he basically told her, you've done everything you need to do. Just it's okay. You, you've done it. So do you want to have had a life where you, you've done your best or do you want to have a, a life that this infinite life that just kind of passes by and, you know, you didn't really even aspire to, you made no sacrifices. You just rolled through. Um, so you, you want to ask yourself, how do I want to live my immortal life. And I'll tell you how I want to live my immortal life. And maybe this will be uh, helpful to you. Um, how do I want to live my immortal life? Well, I'm kind of doing it. I wake up in the morning. Um, I'll do some pranayama or some breathing. Um, I might go out and check on the chickens. Um, I'll check my emails. I'll see what do I need to do today for classes, for writing. I'll sit down, I'll write, I'll do more videos, I'll do more podcasts. In the middle of the day, I'll take a break, I'll make lunch, or I'll go down to the local Italian restaurant and get myself a, a cannoli. Um, I'll go for a walk if it's nice outside, I'll come back. I'll work more on studying, say, the, uh, uh, the holy science, because I'm working on a, a commentary on that. And it'll be hard, and I'll dig into it. And is it going to be good? Who knows? I don't know. But for me, it's important to do. I don't know why. It just feels that way. Um, and then I'll go and I'll play music um, a little bit. I'll exercise. Um, I'll spend time with my family. Um, I'll meditate again. And I do that again and again and again, repeatedly. I go have fun with my friends maybe once every two weeks or so. Uh, I'm not super social. Um, but this is all how I choose to live my immortal life compared to how other people have chosen to live it. Some people might say, well, you didn't have kids. You missed out on so much. Well, you didn't work harder in your career so that you could go on these lavish vacations. Well, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Well, you know what? I don't care about those things. I'm not interested in those things. I'm interested in the things I am doing. So you have to ask yourself, 
are you interested in what you're doing? And if so, you will make the sacrifices for that. Spiritually speaking, if you are not interested in growing spiritually, you're not going to make the sacrifices for it. If you don't know why it's so important to get calm and still inside, you're not going to make the sacrifices, which means you're going to tell me it's hard to meditate. I don't have the discipline and so on. When something is important to you, you do it. You do it. Um, think about the things that you do every day or every other day or weekly um, that's so easy. Well, it's because it's important to you. So we have to start looking at how are we living our immortal life? And when we are done with this life, when it's time to check out, are we going to look back and say, I'm glad I at least tried? That's how you start to recognize whether you are living in harmony, your material and your spiritual life is in harmony. And I would like to see you get such to the point to where um, if, you, if someone told you you were going to die in three hours, you'd say, great. Because I've done everything, I've been doing everything that I want to do. And my time might be up, but I'm so glad I tried. You need to start thinking about things in that way. And that requires you to think about what do you need to sacrifice? What do you need to let go of? Because when you start recognizing what you need to let go of and you pray for the strength and you develop the strength and you even use your willpower if you need to, to let go of those things, um, you will gain more energy you will gain more confidence. You will gain more capacity to, to actually put your, your, your energy towards these intentions. And that again is why in um, the Yamas and Niyamas, Brahmacharya, it says that if you practice Brahmacharya, in a sense, all energy will be provided for you. What does that mean? All energy will be provided for you. If you decide that you are willing to live such that you make choices that support your worthwhile goals. It's as if, it feels like to me, it's as if everything lines up 80% of the time. <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want to give you a false hope, but it's as if 80% of the time uh, things just push in that direction. Or, or if you need it, you, you have the extra energy to go in that direction because you are, you are, you are being very clear and aligned with what is important. And so the energy comes to support that thing. Um, and if your ultimate goal is clarity of awareness, recognizing that you are a spirit, that you are this infinite consciousness, then if part of your life is to um, have a certain experience, consciousness will provide it for you so that you're able to let it go and move on. And you have to be able to let go and move on. You have to be willing to grow. You have to be willing to um, let go of past um, ways of being. And, and that, is, that is so important because where you are right now, where you are right now, it's not, we'll just say it's not where you want to be potentially. And the reason it's not where you want to be is because you are not in resonance or you are not prepared or you are not... Um, you don't have the, the qualities or the characteristics to allow that to be the case. And so the reason I'm saying this is because if you're here and you want to go over there, you may be required to make some changes in order to get over there. So part of this process is also recognizing when life provides an opportunity for change for you. Maybe you have to change jobs. Maybe a relationship has to end. Maybe you have to start a new relationship. Maybe you need to um, go join meetup.com and meet new people so you can network, you know, but you're shy. You don't want to. You see, you have to change in order to get to that place. You have to be open to the changes. And when you set these intentions and you nurture them daily, you will start to see opportunities like just like little flashes that say, maybe try this. Maybe try doing this differently. Maybe try responding differently here. And the more you catch those little things and you try them out and then you, you, you continue to do the ones that work and you let go of the ones that don't, eventually you become that characteristic, that quality, that program that works so that now you're over here. Ah, oh, here I am. Because you've changed. You've allowed yourself to change to become that thing. Um, 
this is true for spiritual realization across the board. When many people start meditating or practicing Kriya Yoga, they think they're going to stay who they are and somehow be this omniscient, enlightened being. You can't be an omniscient, enlightened being while being attached to all the bullshit that, <laughs> that you have when you get started. Part of it is letting all of that go. So one of the most challenging things that people go through, spiritually speaking, is being like, well, huh, I don't really want to change like that. But you know, there's an inner calling that's requiring that you do it. And, and many people don't make the change like Arjuna. They say, nope, dropping the bow. I don't care if it's my destiny. I don't care if it's beneath me. I'm just, I'm not going to do it rather than doing the hard work to allow the change to occur. There are many things about my personality, which are still the same when I was a teenager. I can be sarcastic. I can be a jerk. I have a quirky uh sometimes um, inappropriate sense of humor. <laughs> uh, that, that's, I was that way when I was a kid. I'm, I was that way when I was a teenager. That can still come out. But the way I, I, I see the world and experience the world and can respond to the world is worlds apart from when I was a teenager due to the experiences in meditation and exploring um, Kriya Yoga. So we need to keep this in mind. Now, I'll speak to this next question after we get done with this meditation. So we're going to meditate now and we're going to do um, two other meditations today, but I want to take a moment to lead a meditation to help let this set in, to help it settle into our consciousness. <clears throat> so everything I've said, don't overthink it. Don't worry about it right now. Just let it be. You've heard it. Your brain, your nervous system, your consciousness will remember it, and you'll have access to the recordings um, in a few days. But let's take a moment to close our eyes and bring our awareness to our body. Close your eyes and bring your awareness to your body. All I want you to do is to feel the body. How does it feel as you breathe? You're not trying to change it or judge it. You're just observing the body. Breathe. Now feel the breath as it flows into the belly, into the chest. And let the mind go. It can do whatever it wants. If it wants to talk, if it wants to remember, uh, remember things, it's okay. But just, it doesn't matter. Just pull your awareness into the body, into the breath. And now flow your attention as though, imagine that the nerves that got to your fingertips and to your toes and out to the sides of your torso, and to the periphery of your body, imagine that those nerves are like rivers of prana, energy, life force. And they're like little streams. And imagine those streams flowing back through the fingertips into the palms, into the soles of the feet through the arms and the legs and the torso, so they're flowing back into the spine, that spinal pathway, the sushumna. As if all your life force is letting go of the elements, the world, and flowing back into that subtle space, the life force in the spine, 
the path of God. And feel the spine now as though it's a gently moving river that's flowing upwards. It's flowing from the base of the spine up through the chakras, through the upper back, through the neck, through the brain, as though that part of the nervous system, the spinal pathway is just a light or glowing or, or filled with a radiance, a warmth. And the river is gently flowing up to that higher brain center and the spiritual eye and the crown chakra. And imagine that you are in deep peace as though you are at the center of a vast and deep ocean, just floating peacefully. And yes, there may be thoughts and emotions that come by and feelings that even are triggered in the body, but that's just like little fish swimming by in this ocean of consciousness. Just let them go. They don't need to bother you right now, or you don't need to bother with them. And feel the breath. You're not breathing deeper. You're just breathing normally. But ride the breath as though when you inhale, it's like there's a wave or a ripple that flows through the spinal pathway. And as you exhale, it's like a wave or a ripple flows through the spinal pathway. If you've ever been in a hot tub or a bath or um, just a tub, and you know when you inhale, it's like the water rises and moves a little bit. And when you exhale, the water moves a little bit. You, you want to have that same kind of water-like flow. that same water-like flow that you feel in this core in the central channel of the spine. And just bringing your attention back to the spinal pathway, just feeling it and breathing in this way, brings you in greater harmony with the more powerful part of your consciousness, that eternal spirit you're closer to it. This is the pathway of the divine. And they say that for a very good reason. All you have to do is feel it, allow it. That's it. Nothing else. Just the intention is enough. And those of you who have written down those three or so intentions. What I'd like you to do is just stay quietly for a moment or two longer. And then when you're ready, if you know what they are, you can just recite them to yourself. But if you need to open up your eyes and look at your piece of paper or um, see them, and seeing them is good. So writing them down is very useful. I'd recommend doing that. Don't just keep them in your mind. But either way, State the intentions, what, one at a time. My intention is, and you finish it. Breathe.
And if you've stated the intentions, great. If not, continue. Otherwise, now with these intentions, just wonder to yourself, what would it be like if I could actually follow through with this? What would it be like if I could experience the results of these intentions? Wonder that. I mean, with curiosity, like if someone told you they were going to give you a million dollars, they they said it was going to be sometime today, but they didn't say exactly when. And you're just wondering, was it now? When are they going to give it to me? Like, it's not so far away that you're just not going to be curious about it. It's close enough that you, is it now? Like you're anticipating. What would it be like if I could experience the results of these intentions? Breathe. Now let it go and simply bring your attention, your awareness back to the spine and the breath, that's it. Let any residual thoughts, any residual wonderings go and just simply bring your attention back to the breath Bring your attention back to the spine and just rest, just rest. Now, direct your awareness up to the spiritual eye or the crown, whichever is more comfortable for you. Breathe, be present. And as you hold your awareness here, ask for assistance. Whatever however you see the infinite divine being, yourself, God, Christ, acknowledge that reality, that presence, which is here. It's always here. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's always here. And ask for help, assistance. Not pleading, begging, poor me kind of help assistance, but hey, could you help me figure out how to pull this off? Could you help me find the energy and the motivation, the discipline to actually do this? What do I need? You can even say, I, I can't see everything that's possible. I, I, I don't know exactly how to pull this off, but can you open up opportunities and reveal to me how to do it? So ask for help, assistance, realization, whatever you need, ask for it. You're going to still have to do the hard work, but it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt to have to recognize that there's more to your consciousness than just the little you that's doing the work. If you know you need help with something specific, ask for it. 
but you also want to ask for assistance knowing what you don't know because <laughs> there's always something that you need to figure out that you don't know right now otherwise you, you do it be open And you don't have to keep asking, you know, it's just like anyone else. If you ask someone for five bucks, you don't have to keep bugging them for it. So just let it go. So let go of the asking. Know that you've asked. And imagine what, imagine the feeling, what would it be like if over the next three to four weeks, you were surprised at how opportunities presented themselves or, or information came to you to help inspire you or to let you know what you need to do. Like, what would you feel like if, if, if you were just walking down the grocery store aisle one day and all of a sudden, oh, wow, I just figured that out. So imagine as though it's as if assistance was being provided for you. How would you feel over the next few weeks to be surprised at uh, an opportunity or an experience because they're not going to be something they're not going to be obvious i'll tell you that much it's never obvious but it's interesting now when you're ready take a deep breath in let that go exhale let it go And just sit with your awareness in the breath, sit with your awareness in the spine, breathe. And then when you're ready, bring your awareness back to your body. Let the breath be natural. And you can open your eyes to conclude this guided meditation. All right, so we'll go ahead and move on to step three. <clears throat> In step three, there's a little more discussion, and then we're going to do um, a half-hour meditation, half-hour process, really, going through uh, the initial steps. So we'll talk a little bit more. We'll answer some questions. We'll take a break. Go get a pen and paper or set yourself up. Uh, when we come back, we will go through the spiritual process of intention setting together. Um, and then I'll move on to section four. So let's review, let's review. What are the steps in the spiritual process of intention setting? Number one, sit down and meditate. That's how it starts. Number two, let go of distractions and non-attachment. Three, be curious about the intention. Four, become okay with feeling of success, with the feeling of success with that intention. Five, plan and brainstorm. And six, which we won't, probably won't be able to do today, you'll have to do it on your own, is take action. So those are the stages we have to go through. <clears throat> Now, before we do the process together so we can see how to successfully realize your intentions in a step-by-step -step fashion, let's look at this question that we have here. And if you have questions, please post them. So this is a good question. They're all good questions. 
This is an interesting comment. We'll do the comment first on the question. I sacrifice unrighteous ways to reach my goals. I see people achieve things I would want to have in dishonest ways, but I don't want those things if the ways have to be dishonest. That's life. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where it just comes down to, to, to doing the way you want to do it. Um, yeah, people can get what you want in dishonest ways. You know, you can get in relationships um, by lying about who you are and manipulating others. Sure. Or you can do the hard work and just be yourself and wait it, wait it out until you finally get in a relationship. People can make all kinds of money doing all kinds of nefarious things. Or you can do something um, that is supportive of yourself and the planet and, and has, uh, has um, some integrity to it. It might take longer. Um, so you just have to getting upset or off balance because bad people get good results and good people oftentimes get bad results. Um, I, I, there's no cure for that. You just have to be happy knowing that you're doing it in what you would call the righteous way. So the, doing it in the righteous way itself becomes uh, the joy. I wish it were different, but uh, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's another question. Do you have any advice for figuring out your hier hier hierarchy of priorities for people who have many passions and devotions, who simply want to do many things by nature? I know you recommend focusing on only a couple uh, of things, and maybe one should just spend time contemplating to figure out their purposes. But I thought I would shoot the question anyway. Yes, this is important. So the question essentially is, how do you figure out your hier hierarchy of priorities, especially when people have many passions or want to do many things? Well, this is something I learned um, in my studies of astrology. You got to make sacrifices. You can do a whole bunch of things kind of well, or you can do one thing really well. Um, so it really just comes down to you have to decide what is the most important um, priority for you. And you have to be willing to acknowledge that, yes, there are many things you want to do, but you got to cut them out. Uh, you have to be focused. And again, what I learned in my studies of Kriya Yoga and astrology, and this mainly comes from astrology, but Sri Kishwar kind of alludes to these types of things too in one of his texts. In astrology, there is a... Um, a chart that you use to figure out how a person will feel in regards to their purpose in life. And in that chart, what you can see is, is the person's focus going to be narrow on their road or is it going to be broad? Which means that if, if it's narrow, that means that to a lot of people, they'll look like they're boring. They only have a few passions, but because it's narrow, they're going to move from point A and they're going to go up the road much further, assuming that's what we want, uh, because they've made the sacrifices that cut out all the extraneous stuff on the ends, even stuff they want to do. But if you have people who have broad, a broad road, well, they might go from here over to here, here over to here, and they really haven't gone very far. It's like there are too many distractions. But it's the same thing with, uh, with life. I mean, there are so many things that I could do that I want to do, um, but I, I don't because it would get in the way of my meditation. It would get in the way of my own studies, my work. I want to be able to do it all. So you have, to, you have to consciously, as an adult, make a decision and say, nope, I'm focused on one or two things, and I'm going to do those well. Um, oftentimes the, the, the passion distraction, the passion thing is just a bunch of distractions. I wish that weren't the case. Uh, but the people I have observed, um, you, you gotta, you gotta just decide what is important to you. And I recommend picking one or two things and letting sacrificing the rest. Remember to sacrifice means you make it sacred. Um, and there are only so many hours in the day and you don't want to get to the end of your life and think, geez, <laughs> I didn't achieve my heart's desire. Um, go back and, and watch if you're a, a Patreon member, uh, go back and watch the Holy Science videos, uh, the Holy Science class we did. Go, go watch all those. It'll, it'll help you understand that. In my own life, again, uh, while I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm interested in many different kinds of instruments. Remember I told you I wanted to become uh, a virtuoso on this particular instrument? Well, what did I do when I decided that? I was terrible at that instrument. I, I, 
had never played it before. I decided I wasn't going to play any other instruments anymore until I got good enough on this one instrument that I could continue progressing until the 20 year mark. So for about three years, I did not play my guitar. I did not play my mandolin. I did not play my banjo. I did not do any of those things, which I had, which I have the capacity to do because I, I recognized that my, my intention was that uh, in my own life. Um, when I was younger, uh, when it came to spirituality, I purposely chose to work part-time. So I had more time to focus on meditation and study. I purposely chose to make next to nothing in regards to money so that I would have the time to do these things versus getting out there and busting my ass and raising the family and, you know, going up the level of whatever I would go up the level in. Uh, I purposely chose those things. So I want to stress that you have to make, you have to just decide, you have to decide what, what choices are you making? What sacrifices are you going to make and be okay with it? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Even if all your friends tell you you're crazy. All right. Another question. Are we ever where we want to be? Well, hopefully <laughs> I often feel once we get, once we get there, then we want the next thing. Maybe there's just too much access to endless earth candy going on. Exactly. There's always something for you to get in, into. That's why you have to back up and just pick one thing or two things or three things and stick with those things. Um, and then you will be where you want to be. As, your, your yoga text, your yoga teachers, the yoga principles, it's all about curbing desire. It's all about letting go of attachment and desire. If it's all about that, why aren't we doing it, <laughs> right? And there are, there is, there is, there is, it's okay to fulfill desire, but it's the endless desire, the endless craving that ruins us, that keeps us stuck in this wheel of samsara, this wheel of misery, pick one or two things, focus on those things, take them all the way. Then you are, you are, you're learning to focus your desire and you are learning to be one pointed. You're, you're practicing yoga. Then if you do that, this is very important. And then you'll find that you are where you want to be because you will know that you've come into alignment with that, that desire, that expression of this infinite consciousness through this body, this mind, this personality. And again, you'll be in that place where again, you, you, you will say, someone comes to you and says, you're going to die in four hours. You'll say, no problem. I've been living my immortal life in such a way that I'm okay with that because I have been doing that thing, those things. And I've been doing them well. And I've been focused on them. I've been attending to them with love. So yes, you can get to that point to where you want to be, but it is going to require that you get rid of that erratic mind, that, that distracted mind. It's in the Bhagavad Gita. I don't have my copy here. I brought it home. Um, but in the Bhagavad, in the Bhagavad Gita, um, one of the characters is deluded mind. And we're, we're learning to let go of deluded mind. And this is how you do it. This is why this workshop is so important because it is intention setting, but it's really about how you live your whole life. And then the endless earth candy, you don't really crave it anymore. You want your wheatgrass and spirulina. <laughs> is, a, is sacrifice considered something that is difficult for you to give up or something that is quite easy for you to give up? Um, well, it just depends on what it is. Um, for me, like you mentioned, solitude, not, not an intense social life. Well, that was easy for me to give up because I'm not interested in that in the first place. <laughs> so that was, that was an easy sacrifice. The hard part was trying to explain to everyone why I don't want to do it anymore. It was hard for me to decide um, that when I was in a relationship with uh, um, uh, my first wife, um, when we were young and in love and passionate that I was going to tell her, you know what, I'm going to go sleep in the other room so I can get up early and meditate because I'm too comfortable here uh, being next to you when I wake up in the morning. So there are things that are more difficult, but you see, as you learn to make sacrifices, it becomes easier. And so you become stronger. And so when you see this is what needs to be done, you don't sit there and say, oh, geez, I don't want to do that anymore. You're like, well, I've done it with all these other things. So why not? It's like you've, you've strengthened your sacrifice discipline muscle. And then it's easy to make those sacrifices. So everyone's going to be different in that regard. 
Okay, so one final comment here, and then we'll move on with our information. Uh, the trick is to balance out my time. Exactly. I live with a partner. I have wonderful children now having their own family. Well, that's great. They're out of the house. <laughs> so if your children are out of the house, you've got all kinds of time, hopefully. Now have three, nearly four grandchildren. Well, of course, society tells you be all involved with your grandchildren, do all this stuff with them. Not, I might be putting words in your mouth, so bear with me. Um, but you have to ask yourself, is that really where I want to put my time and my attention? You're concerned that you will not have enough time to achieve your intentions. Well, you might not, which means you've got too many intentions. You, this life for everyone is set up so that you have enough time to do exactly what you need to do. That might be hard to hear and painful because it's going to require that you go against the grain of whatever society tells you, what your partner wants from you, what your family wants from you. But there is a way to have a balanced, fa balanced family life and also attend to your intentions. And um, Lahiri Mahasaya is a perfect example of that. He had five children after he met Mahavatar Babaji. Now, again, they lived in a time where in India, you had all kinds of servants. And so he probably didn't have to be as engaged in family life as uh, we do these days. But um, there are plenty of people I know who have children, families, creative endeavors, but they are disciplined with their time. So the problem is not, uh, my sense is the problem is not um, you don't have enough time. The problem is either you don't have enough discipline or your intentions aren't honed down enough. You haven't sharpened them enough. Um, you got to make them fit, right? So uh, this is the hard stuff you need to hear. And it, it is, from what I've seen in my own life and other people's lives, true. Um, so you have to ask yourself, well, what sacrifices do I need to make? And you might have to try them out and go with them. But this is the yogic lifestyle. And this is why the real yogic lifestyle is not that popular. <laughs> this is why, um, you know, the yoga lifestyle that's popular is the stuff you, 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 that make people just feel good about everything. It's hard work. It's, it requires discipline, just like anything else. So don't, sure, don't shy away from it. And what I would say in this situation is if you don't feel you have enough time to achieve your intentions... You never want to get to the point to where you're stressing yourself out about this stuff. That's going to be counterproductive. It's like um, when you're exercising, because one other thing I wanted to do in my life was uh, to be a kettlebell instructor. I learned that I don't have the time to do that. I still like doing that for myself. And I actually went through the training. And that was one of the things that I felt the actual most uh, sense of accomplishment through because I was not a strong person growing up. And to be able to do these strong exercises and to, to pull it off, when I got done, I was like, wow, I actually feel really good about the fact that I did that. And that wasn't common for me. Um, anyway, in, in, in working out, you never want to go to failure. I mean, you don't want to push yourself so hard that you're straining and you hurt yourself. You want to go to the point where there's just a little bit of tension, a little bit of fatigue, and then let it go and let your body catch up. So when it comes to this kind of process, um, if you're feeling overwhelmed or you feel there's not enough time or you can't figure it out, you just got to back up and start, start over and say, well, what would my life look like if I did have enough time? Or what would it look like if I wasn't overwhelmed? So you'll have to pull back and wonder and be curious about how to get through these roadblocks that you put up uh, that you might put up for yourself, such as I don't have enough time, or I've got all this family and all these children. Well, when it comes to spirituality, I hate to tell you, but pretty much every spiritual uh, tradition uh, seems to point out that you have to let all that stuff go. It's wonderful to be appropriate to your family and to participate in your family, but your attachment to your family is also an attachment. That's why Jesus says you must give up your brothers, wives, sisters, family, whatever, to follow me. You, in the Bhagavad Gita, there's a stress on, uh, uh, on non-attachment, of doing your duty, but, but being non-attached. So we're not saying throw them all away or ignore them, but we're saying you have your priorities straight. You focus on your spirituality, and then with the time left over, you attend to these other things. And if it's not enough, well, who's it not enough for, them or you? 
sure, when you have kids and they're younger, you definitely have to give enough time and attention to them. But when you have adult children who can take care of their own things, um, they need to figure that out for themselves. So these are things to consider. And uh, I don't want to spend too much time on the, the, the family uh, dynamics because uh, that's one that we don't really want to argue. You just got to figure it out for yourself. All right. Anyway, let's move on. So now what we want to do um, is actually go through the process. And my goal is to take you through this step-by-step process. You have the experience that you can repeat it. And then the final portion of our time together, we'll, we'll talk about faith and surrender because the process itself often seems like we're forcing it to happen. We're not. We're cooperating. We're cooperating with what's, what's available to us. We're cooperating with the infinite consciousness, our, our greater sense of spirituality. We're not fighting anything. We're not making anything happen. We're cooperating. Um, so I want to take a break, go get more tea or stretch or walk around, uh, go find something to write with or to take notes with, um, and then come back in about 10 minutes and we'll do this process together. It's, it's really wonderful to, to do this, this stuff together. So let's take a break. You go do that. And uh, we'll meet back at 10 minutes from now, and we'll do all this work together. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.